This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 369 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. It's an equine variety pack today. So please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Mill Creek Spreaders and Dr. Rose's Remedies. We bring you a real variety pack today from horse auctions to manure spreader sweepstakes. Plus, Adam Tarpley answers a listener question on trail riding, and we hear about the Bevel, is it Butte? Yes. The Bevel Butte saddle in the Tack and Habit segment. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop cause it's time again for stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable scoop. This is Glenda Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Howdy, Helena. Howdy, Glenn. Hey, did you see the cute video I posted of my rescue pony, Scooter I, the Little Hackney? I did. It was super cute. Well, he um, he got to go away for the first time. He's been away before, but we've only ever, uh, you know, hand-walked him. So we've taken him to the Florida Horse Park before, which is huge. It's, you know, it's 500, 600 acres of, of open space and, and cross-country jumps and tree lines. And it's just huge. And they keep it mowed, so it's very nice that way. And then there's a little rough spot in the back that you can go through. And uh, we took him out for the first time and actually hooked him to the cart. And he got to go out with Beaker as his babysitter. And he did great. He didn't have any bolts, which, you know, has been an issue. Yeah. Uh, but there was nothing that really scared him that he bolted. And I thought if he did bolt, it was such a wide open space that I, I was, before I died, he was probably going to run out of steam. <laughs> you know, so I figured he was going to wear out before uh, anything drastic happened. <laughs> so awesome. that was my theory anyway. But he loved trotting out there, and he can trot all day. He loves that. He just loves it. He, Beaker wore out before he did. And Beaker had to canter to keep up with him. He can. He has a pretty good trot. So he loved that. The only problem we had was when we took him over, he'll, he'll walk on the trailer because Beaker, Beaker gets in first. And we kind of take the center divider out of the two-horse. Oh, it's kind of an open stock trailer, but we take the center divider out. And it's an older model. And uh, we load Beaker first, and then we load him. And they just stand beside each other and it's fine uh but getting out the reason we don't put the center divider in is he will not back out uh, he just will not do it he just is scared to death to back out it's like a seven inch drop and that's just too much so we have to turn him around and walk him out but even that's a chore he just it takes him 10 minutes to get out of the trailer and i finally got a little video of like the last couple minutes I, when we got home it was taking him a long time and i jennifer said videotape this it's so funny so we did and that's what you got to see was <laughs> Was him at the end, and finally where he leaps out. <laughs> like it's a 12-foot drop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can I do this? Oh, my God. Well, does that, does that say anything about... So here's my thing. I look at that, and I, my, the question that comes to mind is, 
Is that a is that an issue of physicality or is that an issue of experience? Meaning, is his depth perception that bad that he really doesn't know what's on the other side well, of that step, or has he just not experienced? He came it? with that, and it happens whether it's a one inch drop. Like if he's walking, we have a concrete pad for parking, yeah, and there's like a one inch drop, and it had took us three days to get him to walk off that one inch drop onto the ground. He just will snort and paw, and if it if it's there's a little bit of a ledge there, I never thought about the fact that he might have a little bit of a depth perception problem. Mm. Um, I never thought about that, but he just if it's anything that changes consistency. You know, where if we're going from sand and it's a drop to sand, he's no problem. Grass to grass is no problem. But if it's concrete to grass or anything else, then he he has a trouble with it. So if it's a change in texture or if it's a contrast of any kind. Yeah. So when I take him out driving, we have big berms on the sides of the roads here that are all grass. Yep. But then you have to go over the driveway, which could be cement or concrete or tar or just sand, but I take him on there to intentionally go over the driveway, so he has to change consistency. Um, and he looks every time, but now he'll do it without stopping and snorting and carrying on. Uh, but the trailer's still... <laughs> we're still working on But, you know, you have to be patient. It, I could get... A, he's so small. I could get on it, I could push him off, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I could do that without, you know, without too much trouble, but then, you know, he's not really... That's not helping the issue. He needs to figure it out for himself. So that's why we're kind of being patient about it. Yeah, of course. Well, you are, you're both, you and Jen are both the patient kind of people. But, um, you know, and you do what it takes. Now, if it it went for an hour, I'd have been on there pushing his little butt off the trail. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was. uh, (laughs) And there are horses who will take that to an hour. Yeah, exactly. But he was 10 minutes and I knew he was going to do it. And besides, it's so funny. It's just so funny to watch him do this stuff. Because he's cute. Yeah, that's right. He's cute. That's the problem with ponies is they get away with a lot of crap because they're cute. They do. (laughs) They do. That is a problem with ponies. Uh, yeah, so that was our adventure over the weekend. I, I can't, I gotta tell you though, that was the first time in probably 10 years where I've gotten to take one of my own horses out into wide open spaces and have some fun. Uh, we used to do that all the time with my other driving ponies because we had a game lands that was nearby and we all used to go out riding and I would drive and, and the horses all loved the cart. They would all get in behind it. If, if something went wrong, everybody hid behind the cart, like, like the pony was going to save them. Yeah. Yeah. It was a safety <laughs> zone behind there. I I have all these horses breathing down my neck. And uh I used to love to do that and we used to do some crazy stuff that I would never do today, but it was so much fun to get out there and have a pony I could do that with again. So I'm looking forward to doing it some more. Well, you know, ponies are pretty good at the whole survival thing. Yes. You know, from eating weeds to bolting when it's absolutely necessary. So you kinda, you know, being behind one isn't always the worst thing, unless of course running away isn't Right. On your agenda. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if a deer had come out or something had popped out of the woods when we were riding along the woods, uh, he'd have been gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There would have been no prayer. But (laughs) as it was, he was keeping Beaker in in his sights. And now when we're trotting, he kind of plays, you know, I'm going to beat Beaker. Uh, you know, he, and he, you know, a horse, you know, believe it or not, a pony at a good trot, a horse will have to canter to keep up. A quarter horse will have to canter to keep up. That's true. So. Ponies can, like I said, they're good at that survival thing. They're very good at fish leading their energy to get away yep. from death. <laughs> I can trot faster than anybody. That's right. I can trot, I can trot, I can trot my way. Because if I canter, you might. 
hits me and then you might eat me. But if I just trot, everything's cool. That's but right. See, I can trot really fast <laughs> and get away from you before you even realize that I'm edible. That's right. <laughs> Speaking of which, we had a, emails go around. We have an email community thing here in the neighborhood, and we live in an equestrian community, so every kind of everybody's on the email thread. And we had one go out that uh, we lost another cat to coyotes, and she actually witnessed her cat getting eaten by the coyotes. Ooh, um, that's hard. Yeah, and uh, there's been some dogs eaten here, bigger dogs even. Uh, coyotes will take on anything, and they can be good size. So, uh, so we've been on alert for coyotes lately. Uh, you know, there is donkeys that live in all the farms around us. So we're hoping yes. that we're insulated because donkeys are the best protection. We have a couple of donkeys at some farms around here protecting uh, mostly cattle. And they do a great job. They, they do a wonderful job. But, you know, it's the cycle of life. Coyotes have to eat, too. You know, coyotes are, uh, are free game here in Florida. You can shoot and kill them anytime. Uh, there's no hunting licenses needed. If you have a coyote in your backyard, and you can, the problem is they're stealthy, so they don't get shot. Uh, they're pretty stealthy. They, you know, by the time you went in to get the gun, they're gone. So you know they don't. They, they that's why there's so many of them. Why they're having such. That's why they are open season. There's two things that's open season on here in Florida, and that's coyote or three things: coyote, pythons, because they're not native, and everybody lets them loose. Decides good idea to have a pet python, and then now the Everglades is overrun with them. Yeah, and and, and then uh, wild pigs, uh, because you're, you're allowed to shoot wild pigs anytime because they're so. They cause so much damage. And they're nasty. <laughs> they're dangerous critters. <sighs> so, yeah, again, not native, right? Um, they became that way. So, yep. anyway, that's, what, uh, that's what's going on here in the neighborhood. What do you have? Bears, tigers, ki- you know, lions? It's spider season here. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we have. And that can anybody run because they're fuzzy they're thick and like hairy yeah. around here it's that time well you know i'm <laughs> it's just i i don't know what it is about this time of year but this is when the spiders make their webs and they have their babies and they do all the things that spiders need to do before the weather goes back to zero and i also happen to be catching up on some of my farm work which means i'm turning a manure pile over so I'm out there with my pitchfork and, you know, you turn the manure over and you really get an idea of just how big spiders can get. Oh, when, 15 spiders come out. When they can. Oh, no. no, it's more like three, but they're the size of, you know, oh. like, I don't know, a small Volkswagen. Jennifer would be gone. She would never do it. Ugh. She has a spider thing. I have to kill all the spiders no matter what size. Well, they're all like, wee, leave me alone. Ah, I'm scared. You know, so there's, I'm big. I mean, I'm five feet, two inches tall and a spider is barely two inches long, you know, and, and I'm like, ah, and they're like, no, ah, you know, you're much bigger than me. I'm running away now. <laughs> like, okay, just don't curl up my nose in the middle of the night. I don't yes, care what else you do. Right. Just stay out of my eyes, my nose, my ears. And we're all good. Uh, and, and the webs down here, the, the banana spiders we have, the yellow ones. Um, yeah, they're banana spiders. Their webs are sticky, so when you actually do walk through them, it's like, oh, you can't get it off, and it's <laughs> yeah. sticky and gross. Oh. It's in your eyelashes. That's the worst. 
Then All right, now that we've grossed everybody out, uh, yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let's head over to our first guest. We have Adam Tarpley coming on of Tarpley Performance Horses. He's going to be with us once a month doing a training tip. He stopped by for the first time last month, and then we had a listener email us with a question for him, so he's going to address that today. Well, Adam, we have a listener question that came in after you were on the last time, and I'll just read it for everybody. It was from Corinna. She sent us a note that said, Hi, just started listening to all your shows recently to the exclusion of everything else. Well, first of all, thank you for that, Corinna. We love that, and we love the fact that we're the only thing in your life right now, although that might be a little limiting. Uh, You might want to consider branching out a little bit. She says, Today I was listening with interest to the Stable Scoop episode. She's the only one listening with interest, by the way, uh, in which one of the guests was from Tarpley Performance Horses, and the topic was riding outside the ring. But it seemed like the topic ended up being how to make your outside horse work better in the ring. So... (laughs) Again, Corinna, that probably was my fault. Anything like that that happens, it's because I have ADD and we get off topic, and it's probably my fault. And I just follow along. So <laughs> yeah. we're, let's, we'll all own it. Okay? Yeah, we'll, we'll just all say own that we're But that's bad sort of the it. nature of our show. We can take it anywhere we want to go. That's so, right. you know what? Don't believe anything we say in the openers. That's right. Because <laughs> it's not probably what's going to happen. She says, At a hunter jumper rider, I am dying to ride outside the ring and, of course, grew up with riding pasture ponies over hills into creeks, the woods, the road, and didn't ride inside a ring until I was a young adult. However, now well into adulthood, I have no idea how to go from the ring to outside the ring or how to judge if my future horse would be a good prospect for riding both in and out of the ring. What are your thoughts and suggestions? Thank you. You know, I guess growing up like like uh, Jennifer did where you you learn to ride bareback outside the ring, right? Um, it, I, it just doesn't dawn on me that there are people that never go trail riding. Do you run into this? Yes, you bet I do. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people like like that. You know, they they get stuck in the ring and stay there, and then they they get so focused on events or whatever, it doesn't dawn on them to, to get outside as much, or or they don't get the opportunity, and they feel trapped. They don't they don't know how to get out. They they just kind of confined and and get used to the norm and then get stuck. Well, there so, is a comfort zone, isn't there, to having that mm-hmm. uh, fence around you? Um, oh, you bet. Yeah, you, you've got to be there is. in your comfort zone. Yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, and there's there's a couple of different ways to answer it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go through and tell you kind of what I do and how I how I get there with new horses, young horses, horses that I don't know, and and then I would I'm gonna give you a uh, more of a step by step approach, I guess. Uh, okay. A lot more safe, calm, all that. You know, for for me, once once I get my colt going. Uh, Get get them get them under saddle or get new horses that I have in and get them filled out. My my biggest thing is is hindquarter control. Uh, you know, example of that is is getting a good disengagement on the ground. You know, can I can I just can I just push on your hips on your ribs and and you you disengage the hind end and, and take it away. You know, move it away from me quietly, calmly, all that. And then once I start riding them, it's it, you know I do the I do the same thing, only I do it with a one range stop. Uh, you know, I'll be I'll be walking. Can I can I bend your can I bend your head around and disengage your hips and and you stop and stand calmly calmly and then can I do it at a trot can I do it at a lope can I do it in, anytime both sides just be cruising along and go you know what I think I want to stop reach down with one hand bend you over there and you stop you give me your hindquarters and you stop so it's it's no big deal but then 
once I have that, I know I have control of the horse. You know, all nearly all of the horse's power stems out of the hind end. So a horse can't hardly run, buck, or jump with their hind legs crossed, just like us. It's virtually impossible. You can do it. It's just not very powerful and and all that. So once I have that, for me, I'm I'm ready to go. I can I can open the gate and let's let's go outside because I can do that because I'm very confident in my abilities to ride. I'm very confident in my seat and I'm very in control of my emotions. If one decides to jump and run or jump and buck, I just stay as unemotional as that saddle and just go with them and pick them up, disengage them, bend them to a stop. And we start again. I don't make an issue out of it. It's, I just say, no, 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 no. That's the wrong answer. Let's try again. No, no, that's the wrong answer. Let's try again. So and that's that. That's that's a that's a very good ability to have. Is once you learn to control your emotions and have a good seat. That's that's ninety percent of the battle for horse people. So disengage. Literally disengage emotionally from uh, the horse's behavior. Um, you bet. You bet. You're saying they, yes, ma'am. But they, you, they but they in feed off of you. they do. I, they do. I mean, to become emotionally identified with a bad situation, um, you become that bad situation. You literally become identified you, with it. You bet. You bet. Because that's that's the way horses are innately in nature and in the herd. You know, the alpha mare, she throws her head up, blows, snorts, and runs. Nobody else checks up to look, see what she's blowing out. They just follow suit and fall in right behind her and leave out because they're following that emotion. So if you're the leader and your emotions stay calm and you go, what are you jumping about? This is no big deal. This is a walk in the park. I don't care if this building's falling down on top of your head. I'm not bothered. (laughs) You shouldn't be bothered. And they, they, once, once they learn that you're going to take care of them, and they'll just they'll they'll go along with you. But if I have a if I have an impulsive horse or a real nervous horse or a real fractious horse, I don't go straight to the trails where it's real confined and obstacles and start challenging them. I I have a luxury here at our facility that I've got hundreds of acres of cropland and farmland all the, all around me. So I'll take those horses and out into wide open spaces and just say, Can you walk and trot along here calmly? without being confined in in the arena and start stretching them that way. And once they can travel out in wide open spaces without me, without having to worry about them running off or jumping at birds flying up or rabbits running underneath them or, you know, I always take my dogs with me whenever I'm riding and, you know, those dogs running around and coming back, you know, coming to me and running off and stuff. All that stuff is stimulus that they have to get used to. But once, once I know that they can do that in wide open spaces, then I start bringing them in more and more, you know, into into more dense brush and creeks and following the trails and and things that if you know, because then I can I can control the situation more. I can control the horse more. And that's so that's, that's in, the way I, I go about it. So, in as we're answering this question, and she's she's wondering how you actually get from the ring to mm-hmm. let's say a wide open space, and whether or not she she can detect in her horse if he or she would be able to do that. So, you know, they, these horses are trained in a circular environment. Even going yep. out of the gate can be a big issue. I mean, going out of a, an arena gate 
could essentially be yes, a quote unquote wide open space. So like one of the things that I do is um, I start out by going out the gate and going 25 yards down the road or wherever my, my trail is. And then just kind of getting a feel because I'm comfortable. So when I'm comfortable and I'm emotionally confident, um, 25 yards is no big deal. If everything's going well, maybe I'll push it to 50 yards. Now I know this is, these are baby steps, but I think, you know, you have to start with some unit of measure and getting out of the arena and then building on each, yeah, build, building on that distance, and like you say, once you get to a wide open space, then you start to increase the degree of difficulty. Now, the other thing that we yep. do is, even before we get to that step, Helena, is we take them out like I did with, with my pony. Uh, we take them out for walks. Just hand walk them. And okay. we take them out in, through the fields. I'll trot them in hand. We'll take them into the woods. And you're going to get a good idea of what the reactions are going to be when, when you're hand walking them. You're going you're gonna to know whether this is one that's going to have an issue uh, with, with blowing leaves or whatever the situation <laughs> yeah. is, because they're going to react the same when you're hand walking them as when you're riding them. I, you know, and we do that. I did that with him for months before we took him out of the ring. Uh, and we just got him kind of used to everything. So that hand walking we found to be important. I don't know what you think, at, or whether you think that's a waste of time, Adam. But that's one of the things. No, we do. no. Any 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 way that you can stretch that emotional boundary in those in those horses is just going to prepare them for for life and any, anything that comes up. Uh, you know, and and that's you know for for an arena horse and and someone that's been specialized and they've just been you know, in, in that arena, they don't know how to get out. You know, I'm, I would start by challenging that horse with, with anything that you can think of, you know, tarps, feed sacks, trash sacks, ropes, you know, anything like that. And, and see if, you know, can you just lay it in the arena and, and, and ride around it? Can you ride up to it? Can you ride over it? Can you ride under it? Can you, you know, can you have a, a friend carry it and, and come up to you and, and the whole time while you're doing any of this stuff, you don't ever want to make that horse feel like they can't move or they can't run away from it because that's a natural, natural instinct. So if, if I'm trying to ride up to a tarp and, and this horse just kind of locks down and gives you that one, two move back and forth and goes, no, I can't do this and turns and tries to leave. I'm going to say, that's fine. You can leave, but it, you know, and then just pick him up, bend his head around, disengage the hind end, stay calm. That's fine. I just, as long as you stay off of my hands and my, my feet and stay light, then, then I know that horse is staying connected. I'm going to let him move his feet and move away from it. And then I'll make, you know, this is no big deal. Let's go back over there and go buy that tarp. I'm, I'm going to ignore the tarp. You just stay off my hands and my feet and you just go buy it. And then can we get a little closer? Can we get a little closer? And, and then can, you know, once you can get over it and get him used to those things, can you have your friend pick that tarp up and carry it to you? And it's the same reaction in you every time. If he jumps and needs to move, let him move his feet. So many people get bound up going, no, no, you have to stand still. You have to. You have to just stand here and take it. God, that's that's just, you're just trapping them into it. And just And you're just lighting, lighting that fuse on that stick of dynamite because he's going to blow. They're going to. It's just a so- matter of when. So you're saying let him let him respond the way he needs to respond. If he needs to move away from it, let that happen. Um, as long as he, you know, there's some basic things that he does yeah. when he moves away from it. And then you ask him again. So you give him a chance to catch yeah. his breath, and then you gently ask him to approach the object again. And yeah. do you find that there's 
you can pretty much count on his response to get less and less reactive with each repeat of the introduction to the yeah. scary thing. Yes, you do. It, it you know, their 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 brain starts slowing down and starting to think, and their feet start slowing down and start to think. As long as you stay calm and don't make an issue out of it, if you make an issue out of it, then it's going to be an issue. Boy, that's so hard to do. Sometimes, Adam, that is oh, really hard oh, to do. <laughs> oh, it's it's like pulling teeth to do sometimes because. We're in such a microwave society now that oh we got to have it now we got to have it yesterday we're we're behind we got to go to the show next week we we got to get this done no 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 back up start way early and take all the time you need to get it done you know there's another uh, little <clears throat> utilized tool except in the driving world that I I wish more people would use in a situation like this to answer Corinna um, and if you, you might have to take lessons on it if you can find somebody to give you lessons on it and that's ground driving. Uh, we also, you know, like I'll use my pony again as an example, because, you know, he's a hackney pony. They're a little skittish to begin with. Right. Um, so what we do anytime we introduce him to anything new is we don't put him in the cart. And this goes whether you're riding or drive, driving. It doesn't matter. Uh, is we actually take out, we long line him and we ground drive him. So we took him out for his first big adventure in the cart away from home the other day at a big horse park. And we ground drove him for 15 minutes. I ground drove him all around the place for 15 minutes without the cart. Yeah, without the cart. And then I knew, okay, he was pretty good there. I didn't run into trouble there. I'm probably going to be fine with the cart on. But ground driving yes, is, a, is a great tool that's underused. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, it, it works. It, it works real well. You know, it's just another step to, to, to keep you, you know, just that much further away from danger of getting hurt. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you just, know, after, go uh, ahead. No, I, I was done. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, after after we get good in the arena with with those with those type of horses, and and you're okay with anything you can think of, then you know, go for a you know, I, I'm gonna I'm excuse me, I'm stuttering here. Once you get good in the arena with your obstacles and challenging them, I'm gonna take that horse and put him through a normal workout in the arena, just like you would normally do. And then for your cool down, just go outside of the arena and just walk outside the arena. Can you walk around the barns? Can you walk around the trailers? And just go for a nice, I'm not going to ask anything out of you. Just go for a nice walk, cool out. You've seen all these things. You just haven't seen them from me on your back. So I'm just going to go ease around. And I find with my colts, that's that's one of the toughest parts, is being able to just walk around the barn around here. You know, they'll lead anywhere. But when I, once I go to ride, I'm like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. It's no big deal. Let's just go. Let's do a different direction. I'll give you plenty of room, and we'll just keep walking. And we'll walk over here and walk over there and let them nibble on a little bit of grass and go over here and walk around the arena and, and just, just no pressure, no anything. But they already have that fresh knocked off of them out of the arena after their workout. So you can, you can walk around stuff that they're already familiar with and they've seen. They just haven't seen it from, from, uh, the perspective of them being the first one to see it they're all you know they're always lit, being led or or whatnot does that, does that make sense makes and sense then, mm, yep makes yeah sense. And, absolutely and, and then once once they're good with all that we'll say great maybe you know maybe saturday i want to go for a trail ride i'm not going to load that horse up and go straight to the trail i'm gonna i'm gonna go to the i'm gonna go to the arena i'm gonna put him through a short workout session you know stretch him out see where his brain's at you know not tire him plumb out just just get a good, good, just a good, decent workout. And then 
and then I'm going to go for a trail ride. Whether I can just open the gate and go for a trail ride or whether I have to load him up and then go haul. Now, but if you you, already, if, if you have a colt like that, are you going to bring him out by himself or are you going to have friends with you for the first time on a real trail ride? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll ride by myself 90, 95% of the time. Okay. Uh, always have a phone with me. That way I can call right. for help. But, <laughs> but no, Shorty! For, for me, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm in the woods. In all, yeah, we're checking in all the time. Again. For, for, Again, I'm on the ground. Yeah. Uh, the colt should right. be home by now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for me, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna go. I just it okay. helps to have a, to have a friend or have, have a, a, as long as you're with a good, broke, gentle horse. Right. Don't, don't go out riding for the first time outside with a friend that's got a high strung horse. I don't care how much they've been on the trail or how good that horse is, because if that other horse is real high strung. That horse that's unconfident is going to feed off of that. Yeah, age. yeah, and we've all been and out with he's those. Be we've all been out with those trail riders that their horse is just bouncing the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, and and that that's a great idea, and that's that's a great thing to do. Uh, well, good. I, I just have the luxury of of having having people to go ride with all the time. Right. Uh, well, and and that, and that's where. It, one other thing I want to get to before we run out of time is she asked in the last question, how do I judge if my future horse would be a good prospect? And I don't know how you feel about when people buy horses from you, but we bought a lot of horses over our time. Whatever we plan on doing that horse with that horse in the future, we do when we go to check them out to buy them. So if we plan on it being a trail horse, we'll say to the people, do you have another horse? We're going for a trail ride. And we will actually insist that that's part of what we do. Whatever you're going to do, whether it's jumpers or or dressage or whatever, that's what you do when you're going to check out that horse. And I don't know if you have people that do that to you, but in anybody that's honest, right? I mean, if you're honest about what you're selling, you don't mind that because you're, you're actually appreciate that they know enough to ask for that. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm, I've, I've got to the point that you know, horse trading has always been horse trading, and it, it you know it is what it is. Sometimes you get, sometimes you get got. But when when I go show up to look at a horse, I, I want to see the owner that owns that horse get on and perform whatever they told me that that horse would do. I want to see how that person rides that horse and how they react. If I want a trail horse, then I'm going to take a good broke gentle horse, and me and that person is going to go for a nice ride. And somewhere along the trail, we're going to swap horses because I'm not going to put that person on something that's going to get hurt. But then we're going to swap, and then I'm going to fill that horse out while we're on the trail. But but I want to see that he's everything that he, that uh, you know the seller said that that horse was, and you know broke and gentle and you know all the all that stuff. And then I'm going to get on him and see see what we have and and feel him out. Uh, but you know if if you're wanting if you're wanting a nice quiet quiet calm horse and you pull up and that horse is what they consider got lots of spirit and energy and yeah. <laughs> tail up over his head and ears up and blowing blowing and snorting he's probably not a quiet calm horse <laughs> but just just saying you know you know watch those horses move and learn learn to learn to you know in, in practice with your own horses do they do they go travel out flat and smooth when they're just traveling along the pasture and if they do, they're probably going to ride that way. If they're rough as a cob, you know, when they're trotting along in the pasture by themselves, they're going to be rough when you get old. It's, it's just, uh, you know, but that that's my that's my okay. suggestion. You know, well, on future horses, it's just 
just fill them out, fill the owners out, let them perform, and then and then you come in behind them and say, okay, can we get can we get the same result? All right, very good, Adam. Thank you so much for answering the listener question. Thank you for Corinna for sending it in. What's your website, Adam? Tarpleyperformancehorses.com. Tarpleyperformancehorses.com. And you are in what part of Texas again? We're in Markle, Texas, just outside of Abilene. Abilene, Texas. So if you're in that area and you need some help with your horse in any which way, just uh, give Adam a call or drop him a note through the website, tarpleyperformancehorses.com. We'll talk to you again next month. Sounds great. Thank you all for having me. And I want to mention, too, if you have a question for Adam and would like us to get it answered in next month's episode, drop it to me or Adam, either one. Uh, but you can email it to me at Glenn with two ends at horseradionetwork.com. Well, Helena, coming up next, we have a friend of ours, a listener, and we've known for a long time. She's an animal communicator and a friend of the Horse Radio Network. Her name is Kim Baker out of Colorado. And she wanted to tell us about an auction that's going on out there uh, that is uh, so some quality quarter horses and ranch horses. Well, as I mentioned, we have Kim Baker back with us, and she is here just to tell us about a local event. We love covering local events that happen around the country, and who doesn't like a auction of horses, especially a legitimate auction of good horses, and that's what we're talking about here today. Exactly, and that's right, Glenn. Didn't you tell me before that you're not allowed to go to auctions anymore because you come home with stuff? That's you're not right. Supposed to that, come is home with. that is all correct, yes. <laughs> well, if anybody's in the market for a good ranch horse, then this is the place to go. It is the Summit Livestock Exchange, and they are located at 5660 East Highway 160 in Monta Vista, Colorado. So this is in southern Colorado, and they are having a catalog horse sale on Saturday, September 19th, um, starting at noon. They're doing demonstrations, I believe. They start at 10, and they usually have a tax sale uh, as well. And so you can go there and check out um, all the great ranch horses. And you know what? Sometimes a good ranch horse is just what you need to get out on the trail and experience different things. And that's what Jennifer fun- has. I mean, her quarter horse is a ranch horse. Uh, and you know, Beaker's terrific. On he loves going out into the woods. He, you know, the more adventurous, the better. Exactly. I mean, you got to think about it. It's like you know, they check fence with these horses, and they're moving cattle, and so I mean, they're you know, they're experienced in a lot of different things, and they're very quiet minded, and they love to get out and do stuff. So they they make great kids horses. They make great, you know. Um, Horses that you just, you, you don't have to train, you just want to, you can let them sit for six months and you get back on and it's like you rode them yesterday. I mean, these are great horses. And um, if you want to con- contact them, their phone number is 719-852-9500. That number again is 719-852-9500. And uh, their website is summit, dot com. So that's summit. L-E-L-L-C.com, and they have a catalog horse sale on Saturday, September 19th in Southern Colorado. You know, one of the things that uh, delineates a good horse sale from a not-so-good horse sale, and this is how you can tell, an auction like this is they say right in here, all horses subject to random blood tests. So if they're doing random blood tests, that's a good thing for you, the buyer. Um, so keep that in mind that is when you're a- looking at auctions to go to. That is, and I'm glad you brought that up, Glenn. That is a good thing because, believe me, I have been to auctions and I know I've seen horses that have been drugged. And so, yeah, if they're doing random blood, blood tests. They're checking to make sure that uh, no one's drugging horses, no one's trying to pull a fast one on you. Yep. 
Very good. It's uh, summitllc.com. We'll post a link to that in our show notes for today's episode at stablescoop.com. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Con. Appreciate it. So if you have something going on in your area, if you're going to a cool horse show or you went to a cool horse show or an event and you want to come on the air and talk to to us about it, we would love to hear. We love when our listeners come on and tell us stories of things that have happened. If you've gotten a new horse in your life and want to come on and brag about your new horse, we love that as well. Just drop Helena or I an email, Helena at HorseRadioNetwork.com or Glenn at HorseRadioNetwork.com, and we'll get you on the air to talk about it. We love that stuff. Well, coming up next is a friend of ours. You've heard her here on the show before. Her name is Tracy Knoll, and she is from Mill Creek Spreaders. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Glenn. And of Thanks course, for having me back. No problem. And, of course, Mill Creek Spreaders are the finest manure spreaders in the world. Definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, you, you know, basically, if you're going to have to buy a new manure spreader, just don't look at anything else. Just go to Mill Creek. Look at Mill Creek. It's going to last you a long time. You're not going to be disappointed. They're, they're made here in the United States, and they're finely crafted, and they're the best out there. So just don't look at the other stuff. Look at Mill Creek. But now you guys are, are really having—it's your 30th anniversary. By the way, I didn't realize Mill Creek was around for 30 years. Yes, we have been. We're really proud of that, too. We were um, among the first to make compact manure spreaders, and we were the first, definitely the first to make one specifically geared for horse people with the best quality features that we could build in. We were the first to do that. So we have um, continually upgraded our stuff, though. We are actually on our fifth edition um, of the 27 Plus, which is our most popular model. That's the one for one to four horses. It's the original size. And, yeah, it's our fifth generation of those spreaders that we're on because we have kept adding things or taking away or what have you, adding things mainly and improving on the original design since 1985. So we're very proud of that because, believe it or not, there's a few out there that are still being made the same way for, like, the last 20 years. So, well, And the problem you guys have is you you there's something in wholesale uh, and manufacturing called planned obsolescence. And that is yeah. you plan on your product only lasting a couple of years, so they have to buy it over and over and over again. The problem you guys got is there are people out there with the original 30-year-old spreaders that are still using them because they don't break. And, and yeah, Yes, we've heard yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad for you guys. I mean, you're making a product that lasts forever. So, I know. And then what did we do? We came out with a stainless steel with a lifetime warranty. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> well, now, we're, we're, what is this sweepstakes? What can people do and what's happening? Okay, well, it's our, like I said, it's our 30th anniversary sweepstakes. So of course, we wanted to celebrate. And we are giving away our very top-of-the-line spreader, which is a 27-plus, our most popular size, in the stainless steel. So the 27-plus SS spreader. And as I mentioned, that does have a lifetime warranty against floor and body rust through. So you are not going to find anything. There is no other company making stainless steel compact manure spreaders. They are the absolute best you you will find anywhere. This is the one you need, Helena. So pay attention. You need to be entering the sweepstakes. (laughs) This is pretty much the ultimate. (laughs) If you've got manure to dispose of, this is the ultimate machine. So yes, we're giving one away. And to enter the sweepstakes, people need to go um, to our Facebook page. You can you can click there. There's a number of places where the link is available on the tab or in one of our posts or. so, yeah, you can. Um, there's also a link on our website that you just want to go to www.milkcreekspreaders.com. You'll find the link to the sweepstakes there. So, that's another way to get to it. 
Um, and we have a simple entry form. We just ask for your email address. It's, you know, one email per entry. Um, and your name and your shipping address. Um, it's available to people in the continental U.S. and District of Columbia. We're very sorry. We cannot ship you a spreader if you're in Japan. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, they're a little um, too big for that. Yeah, a little too big. UPS yeah. doesn't we do like have, that um, size. We, yeah. <laughs> we actually have a very active distributor in the U.K., so you can get them there. But, um, yeah, for the sweepstakes, it's the continental U.S. Um, and we just uh, um, we'd love to know how you found out about the sweepstakes. It could be from here, and we also asked um, just um, why do you want a Mill Creek spreader? We get the most wonderful answers for that. Um, a lot of people say because we've heard they're the best, and that's what we like to hear from folks. A lot of people say I've wanted one for a long time, or my neighbor has one and thinks it's wonderful. Um, we get some. Uh, some interesting answers from folks that are, you know, a little aged or infirm and would really like a, a spreader to help them out in their farm, which we certainly can appreciate because they definitely make life easier. So it's we enjoy seeing those answers, um, and we appreciate it whenever we get them. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we strongly encourage people to enter. You've got until October 12th. That's when we'll close the, the entries. So go right ahead. All right, very good, Helena. You, know, you could be spreading that manure in that backfield of yours back there. You uh, mean with something other than my two hands? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, because that would be we kind of awesome. People say that. People say that I'd be a whole lot better. They say stuff like it'd be a lot better than my pitchfork and wheelbarrow. Exactly. I'm yeah. By hand. So. <laughs> we. I, you know, I, I think we actually owned a Mill Creek at one point. You know, the problem is they get with with the older ones that were 30 years old is they 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 get beat up, but they still work. Uh, you know, so yep, you're you're still it. using them. You can't even read the labels on them anymore, and people are still out there <laughs> using them, and uh, that's what happens. But wait, now you have all different sizes from one horse to yes, to twenty horses. You have all different sizes. Plus twenty, yeah, yeah, twenty plus. We do have all different sizes, and um, most of them are available in the stainless steel. The two smallest are um, our mini spreaders, as we call them. The fifteen and the twenty-two are galvanized steel. Um, so those are, those are the sort of entry level models and we've been selling quite a few of the 22s lately. Uh, those definitely have their place there. They are, like I said, definitely. Well, you can pull them with um, a lawn, with a lawn tractor. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, actually number, our, four of our models you can pull with, with a lawn tractor. So yeah, they're pretty good that way. Um, when you get to the midsize, then you have a choice of, you know, with a bigger tractor or a, with, you can do, still do ground drive or PTO. When you get to the really big ones, you have to have a big tractor and a PTO. Right. So we've got we've got one for practically the, every size. The ground farm, drive farm ones, though, there. you can use with a pickup truck. Some of those sizes too, right? Um, I guess you could. Yeah. Yeah, we used <laughs> to do that all the time. Trust me, you can do that because we used to do it all the time. I'm sure. Well, then we yeah. have people who rig them to be horse drawn too. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Put yep, those horses to work, Helena. They need a job. Put the horses to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Hitch> them up. <laughs> yeah, they need a job. They're like the rest of the millennials. They don't want to work. <laughs> Sorry, kids. I, I know I had to throw that in there. It was just low hanging fruit. It was. It was there. Well, Tracy, <laughs> it there. it's MillCreekSpreaders.com, right? Yes. Yep. MillCreekSpreaders.com, yes, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes, and also we'll put a link uh, on our Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to talking to you again. 
Well, next up, Jennifer got to catch up with uh, Dr. Tanya Cubitt of Performance Horse Nutrition, and they had a conversation all about fat horses. And then she said, you need to make sure you play this on Stable Scoop because you and Helena both know a little bit about fat horses. <gasps> I know. I don't know what she was saying, Helena, because my pony certainly isn't huge and requiring a muzzle 12 hours a day. <laughs> and, and I don't my know about pony you. has never been referred to as buxom, so I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I think there was an implication that we should listen to this segment. So, uh, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm glad What'd we inspired anyway? her research. <laughs> What's she know anyway? She just does that horse tip daily show. What's she know? All right, we'll take a listen, I guess. And I'm so happy to welcome back to the show Dr. Tanya Cubitt from Performance Horse Nutrition. And she's going to do something a little bit different this time and talk about diseases or conditions your horse can get or have that are nutrition-related. So what have you got for us today? Well, Jennifer, I'm so glad to be back. And this week we're going to talk about obesity in horses. And as with people, it seems quite simple Um, you know, exercise more, ride less. But, you know, if we start out with what is it? And again, people say, well, I know what it is. It's it's a horse that's accumulated so much body fat and that begins to have a negative effect on health. And I think that's that last piece is what people forget about. It starts to have a really negative effect on health. And actually in the September edition of um, thehorse.com, I've written a small kind of casual article just all about that, about public perception or owner's perception of whether their horse is overweight or not. And I really find that probably one of our biggest issues with obesity in horses is that our owners don't perceive a lot of our horses to be overweight. Um, we looked at studies. Uh, there was a study done by the... Um, NAMS, the USDA really, what it did, it took the owners of the horses and did a survey and asked them how heavy their horse was on the body condition scoring system. And I think 3% of people reported their horse to be obese. But when we had veterinarians or nutritionists do the same thing, it was more like 50, 60, 70% of horses are actually obese. So, yes, it's really, really important that we become familiar with the body condition scoring system, the one to nine scale, one being emaciated, nine being grossly overweight, a five or a six being ideal. Go online. Um, it, you can search for the body condition scoring system and actually look at pictures uh, and then go out and see if you can assign a more accurate score to your horse based on the actual pictures you've seen Um, or have somebody else that maybe is a little bit more distant, not as connected, maybe not as biased about um, your horse as you may be. Um, But it's really, really important because obesity, uh, it has a lot of devastating effects, a number of potentially negative effects, including increased stress on the heart and lungs greater risk risk for laminitis, which we'll talk about in our next episode, Um, risk for developmental orthopedic disease, so young horses that are overweight, bone and joint issues, and even young horses that have come from mothers that were overweight, she can put that onto those foals as kind of a a genetic issue. Um, Growing horses, there's just a lot more strain on the joints and limbs. It can worsen the symptoms of arthritis in older horses. 
Um, you think about performance horses that are overweight, they have a less ability to cool cool off and decrease their body temperature. Um, fat buildup around key organs interferes with normal functions. We've seen lots of studies looking at reproductive efficiency. And way back in the old days, we used to say, oh, the fatter, the better. That's because we always fought with an underweight animal. But now, because we have more and more overweight mares, actually, we're seeing the opposite. We see that they don't cycle properly, and it's really hard to get them, get them in foal. Um, and then just greater lethargy and decreased performance. Oftentimes, I'll have people say, well, you know, I, I, ju- I don't want him to get any fatter, but I want him to have more energy. Um, he's already kind of overweight. Well, I know myself when I'm a little bit overweight, I am very lethargic. So getting yourself in better fitness, physical fitness and, and in shape um, gives you back that energy. So. Interesting. I could so, go on and on, on about on. the symptoms. So it's, it's kind of like we've taken the uh, marketing message that humans get via um, commercials where everything requires either the consumption of a supplement or pill or a food product. You want more energy, you take a supplement or you eat a certain type of food. We've transferred that to our horses where somebody has a horse who's maybe not as zippy in the show ring as they want them to be, they're a barrel racer or they have a horse who does some competitive class, they think the answer might be in some food product and feeding them more, but they go, oh, well, we don't want them to get any weight, any, any heavier, so we don't want to feed them more, when in fact the problem might be closely related to the fact that they're getting sufficient calories and carrying too much weight from those calories and maybe a, a better fitness program and a uh, thorough look at the nutrition level of that food that they're eating is more in order. Absolutely, absolutely. You you're hit the nail on the head there. We as humans always, always want to find the magic pill. And unlike other livestock species, dairy cows, chickens, pigs, we seem to take a lot of what we learn in human nutrition and we try and put it on our horses. And it doesn't always translate. Um, but some of the of the bad things in human nutrition we do as well. So we try to make it quick. Everything's got to be quick. I don't want my horse to get fatter, but I want him to be more zippy. So what kind of supplement can I feed? And oftentimes there's not a supplement that you can feed. It's just getting a balanced diet, getting your horse exercising, moving. Um, so, so find ways to make old thunder move more. Yeah, I usually say, people say, well, I work a lot and I don't have time to ride. If you're going to take on the responsibility of owning these animals, then we take on the responsibility of keeping them healthy too. And unfortunately, if we don't have the time to keep them healthy, then maybe another animal that uh, takes less effort would be better for you. You know, I hate to say that. Do you think that the social stigma of a horse that looks thin, I'm using air quotes here, people, is contributing to this because with the social media in this day and age, nothing will inflame the horse lover's heart faster than a horse that appears in that particular snapshot in that particular second in time to look thin. Do you think part of that's that we're all so obsessed with having our horses, quote, look good, that we are prone to leaving them obese for fear of someone thinking our horse is being not properly cared for? I would say 100%. You're right there. That was another thing that I brought up um, in a a, uh, 
presentation I did at a big international symposium, which is what my article is about in the September magazine. Um, it's about that perception, and, and I put up on a slide a, a very a, a picture of a thin horse, but over the top of it, I had a big box so that people couldn't see what the picture was, and I said, um, nutritionally mistreated, and I asked everybody in the audience, what image comes to mind when you think of a nutritionally mistreated horse? And you're exactly right. Everybody thinks of that thin, emaciated horse. And then I flicked to a slide that had probably one of the fattest horses I've ever seen. And it's a real horse. And there's, you, know, you can't see where the, the tail's coming out. The neck is so fat. I don't know how you'd ever get a saddle to stay on the horse because it had no withers, huge fat pads where uh, the girth would do up. And I said, well, what about this horse? And to be honest, the nutritional issues or the medical and health issues that go along with the thin horse, they are easily fixed. We can feed him, we can put him on a good program and we can put weight on him uh, in a healthy way. But the longer a horse is overweight, the longer... Um, the more lasting damage he has. And so every, and I, I asked people, I said, I guarantee if you saw that thin horse in the field, people would be calling the police, the Humane Society, anybody that they knew to get that fixed. But if they saw the fat horse, they would make a joke. Oh, you know, he's a bit cushy or whatever they would say. But it would not um, make that same guttural response with the people. And we really need to flip that around. Because yes, a thin horse is horrible to see, but uh, and we don't want to see that, but we can fix that very easily. But a fat horse, the longer he is fat, he changes his hormonal profile. He he even if we get his body weight under control, he's always going to be more at risk for these other disorders that come as kind of a cascade from being obese, laminitis, insulin resistance, etc. So we need, um, we need to have more health gurus in the horse industry out there inventing Pilates and workout DVDs for our horses. <laughs> and maybe just riding them more. Oh, but riding them more works too. <laughs> and, and it's really hard because in some show rings, unfortunately in some disciplines, you do seem to be rewarded for having that kind of more round horse. Oh, absolutely. So slowly over time, we just need to shift that, that perception in people's eyes. When I show people what a five, a body condition score of five is, most people would say, I don't want my horse that thin. Over time, our idea of what in our eyes looks like ideal has shifted. So most people like to see their horse more in a six seven, seven and a half, um, versus they should be looking at a five or a six. Can't just stop feeding them food because they're too fat. You need to do the exercise part. and that's what You do. And you still need to make sure uh, they're getting vitamins and minerals and the nutrition they need just because they're overweight still doesn't mean that you know, we can feed them nothing. Yeah. Uh, we well, still need I to would, find would, a, a product that works well right. for and them. And with nutritionists... Easily available, for example, you folks at Performance Horse Nutrition, um, giant feed companies have nutritionists that are available. There's endless amounts of good quality information in publications as well as reputable websites. There's no reason you can't figure out the nutritional profile part. I think really Mm -hmm. in this day and age, at least in the United States, I don't know about the rest of the world, figuring out the exercise part of the equation 
is so much harder for us, and we just need to put a little more effort into it. Yeah, yeah, just try a little harder. And I know sometimes people get a little nervous. I know I work with a lot of feed companies, and I'll work on their behalf with clients, but sometimes the comment that I get um, is, oh, you know, I'm I'm not sure uh, if I'm getting an unbiased opinion. So if you're unsure that way, then certainly go to a just a private nutrition consulting firm if you want to get an unbiased opinion about your horse and what may be available in your area to feed him um, we can people can certainly help with that yeah. but the first thing that you can do is really get yourself familiar with the body condition scoring system go online look at actual pictures print them out if you have to be familiar with the the little guidelines that go with each score. So it may say for five that I can't, um, you know, when I palpate, I don't really press really hard to feel the ribs. I can't see the ribs, but I'm not losing my hand to feel the ribs. Um, realize that every horse is different and they all lay down fat differently, especially between different breeds. A quarter horse isn't really going to lay down a lot of fat over their neck versus something like a pony. Um, so make sure that you take the whole body into account and not just one particular area. As older horses age, they lose a little weight over their back, but their hindquarter and their neck may still be overweight. So make sure you're taking the whole thing into account. It's go. really critical when it comes to the feeding program of these horses um, that you make sure that you continue to give them plenty of forage. Forage is what horses are designed to survive on, they need it, and no matter whether we're trying to reduce their body weight or not, we need to make sure they get plenty of forage. So typically we recommend one and a half percent of body weight to come from forage for a regular horse that's exercising and doesn't have any body weight issues. If I want to put them on a weight loss program, I don't like to go any less than say 1.1 or 1.2% of body weight. If you go less than that, then we run into issues with gastric ulcers or developing some stereotypic behaviors because they're angry because they're not getting fed enough. But really, we worry about those gastric ulcers. So on our average 1,000-pound horse, that works out to be 11, still feeding them 11 or 12 pounds of forage a day. Usually, we've taken these horses off pasture so that we can really monitor exactly how much they're eating. Um, and then making sure, you know, most of our grasses, most of our hays are going to be deficient still in selenium, copper, zinc. So adding a, what I would call a ration balancer pellet. It's the Jenny Craig pellet. It's one pound a day for your thousand pound horse. He still feels like he's eating something. You're giving him everything he needs. Steer clear of any additional high fat supplements. Now, I've worked with clients that will say, well, I'm not giving him any fat supplements. Well, what other supplements are you feeding? Oh, I'm just giving him a coat conditioner. Coat conditioners are pretty much 100% fat because that's what makes a nice shiny coat. So make sure you critically evaluate any treats or supplements that you're feeding your horse. Um, try to cut all of those out and just stay basic for a while. Well, there we go. Get it down to the basics and get your horse uh, down to the proper weight. Thank you very much, Dr. Tanya Cubitt. Where can folks find you? They can find me at performancehorsenutrition.com uh, and call the number there and we'll get back to you. 
All right. Thank you much, and we'll see you again soon. Well, I don't know what they were talking about. It had nothing to do with my fat po- I mean, my <laughs> pony. Nothing. Nothing. And, you know, when I saw your horses, the first thing I said to you was, oh, these horses are so skinny. You need to feed them more. I know. That's what I said. That was the first thing I said when I saw them. Not. Not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's rare that I'm left speechless. But they were a little me. round, Helena. So she might have a point there. They're, yeah. They were a little round. <laughs> I just, there's no way for me to be diplomatic in responding to that. It's just not. Well, they're well fed. Both of all, all of our horses are well fed. That's Can't we just say both of our horses are happy? Yes, they're happy. They're fat and happy. <laughs> they're happy. They're pleasant. Well, that was good pumped. advice for Dr. Tanya, and we appreciate her stopping by and Jennifer forcing us to play that. And listen Absolutely. To yes. Absolutely. Thank you, Jennifer, we guess. Well, coming up next is our Tack and Habit segment. Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by. Um, who should we have it sponsored by? This I don't know. Week? Who do you want it to be sponsored by? <laughs> Let's try. Pick, pick one of your many companies. <laughs> pick. I only have one company. Okay. <laughs> but I have a bunch of projects. Right. Well, pick a project. So, all right. This week's Tack and Habit segment is sponsored by Sparkle and Boom. We focus on equestrian websites. We know what we're doing, and we can do it all at the right price. Goodness knows none of us are getting rich in horses. So. That's true. <laughs> services are delivered with your budget in mind. Find more about us and our website services at sparkleandboom.com. Well, today we have another recording that we did at the American Equestrian Trade Association. You and Jennifer did this one. Tell us a little about it. Well, we were walking by, and... Um, this gorgeous saddle on a wooden, gorgeous wooden saddle stand in front of a gorgeous <laughs> tall tack trunk all caught my eye. It was just like this little booth of luxury and sitting out on this wooden saddle stand was, um, the Butte saddle, which, um, if you're, if you spend any time in the hunter jumper world, you know that Butte has a wonderful reputation for being an amazing saddle. There aren't enough adjectives that I can use to describe this saddle. And, um, you know, we just haven't really talked about it because a lot of, um, I don't know, Stable Scoop listeners, I'm just going to say it. There are a few people who can really afford a Butte. But um, after talking to them about this saddle, I'm kind of thinking, if you're serious about riding... You can't afford not to invest in a Butte. So let's find out why. So we have Alicia from Bevel Saddlery today, and she's going to talk to us about a piece of tack that I really want to eat. It's like so delicious and gorgeous and awesome. And it may be a brand name that you've heard of. It might not be one that you've heard of, but we're going to introduce you to it and and kind of talk a little bit about why it's so wonderful. So we're going to talk about the Butte saddle. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I'm, you know, perusing through Ada and looking at all this stuff and completely overwhelmed by all the wonderful products here. And you have a saddle that's out on a saddle horse. Um, Very elegant, very subtle. It doesn't scream anything. There's no bells. There's no whistles. There's no fancy piping. And yet it was practically magnetic in drawing me to it. It has a very subtle elegance to it. Tell us a little bit about what a Butte saddle is. Okay. So a Butte saddle is a saddle that is brought to this country from France. Um, We have been 
um, we are the sole importers of this saddle for the past 30 years. Um, it is fine. Sorry, I keep wanting to like move. That's okay. You can touch it and talk. <laughs> um, when it's near you, you must touch it. It's exactly. true. I said to her, exactly. I said, that looks delicious. <laughs> it is. Um, and it truly is delicious. And, you know, until you've really experienced it and ridden in it, um, you know, that will give you the true sense of the saddle. It's endorsed by George Morris. Um, we all know he is the, you know, God. God. Go ahead and say it. He's, God. God. He's the God, He's the He's God the of English writing. We worship yes. at the Church of George. Exactly. Yes. Um, so it is fine calfskin throughout the whole entire saddle. This is our premier premium saddle. Um, beautiful uh, calfskin. Finest stitching you will find on a saddle. We research you know, far and wide for the top stitching. Both the material and the, the process? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, so we offers in we offer this in three different seat depths. We offer a flat seat, okay. a deep seat, and an extra deep seat. So what's the one that we're looking at right uh, now? It's a deep seat. It's a deep seat. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I noticed, um, and I'm going to be all over yeah, the place. Yeah. Bear with me. Is that the pommel? What size is that saddle that we're looking at? A 17. Okay. One of the things that happens to me is the pommel gets in the way a lot of what now. I hunt, so um, I tend to like a little bit deeper seat. I'm not, you know, I'm not stadium jumping or anything. Um, but I, the, the pommel is very, tell us a little bit about the design it's low. of that. It's, it's low. low and comfortable. But yet still deep seat. It, yeah, so it's still. So how we achieve this is um, basically by fit. Um, and it's fit to the horse. You know, this saddle here has 90 custom options available. Holy cow. Yes. From like, seat to flap to collar to stitching. You know, we can um, change the stitching. We can change the uh, beading around the front. You know, if you want it hunter green, pink, purple, red, pink. black. Um, a pink beauty. Let me tell you oh, my God. What, what, what color do you call that? Because I would call it a beautiful brown. So this is the gold. 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 Okay. Okay. But when we, we're talking about the customizable options, we're talking about the roll around the back, the beading in the front. Right. Okay. You know, that's where you can sort of add your flair. Your flair. But it, it, so this is, so the, what they call a gold is, is more of a russet brown. Chocolate brown. Chocolate brown. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it, this saddle does not need customization now there no. may be plenty of people out there but it is so elegant in the so the stitching is a slightly darker brown than the saddle leather the piping is the same color but it's like when you buy a really finely tailored article of clothing you look at or the a sports car or a sports car it's it's tight it's a very tightly mm-hmm. made there's nothing flapping around there's nothing that's going to come undone so the our feeling here is with this saddle is less is more you know, okay. has great balance. It puts you in the right spot. It makes the trainer's job easier, if, if that makes sense. It, it truly has such great balance that it makes the riding instructor's job easier. Because it, it allows them to teach you as a student. You're already set up in the correct balance of the saddle. Okay. What is, what's it flocked with? Is it wool? It's a, it's a wood metal tree, and it is a wool, or a, sorry, I'm sorry, a foam and felt combination. So basically, we cover the panels, the foam panels, with felt, which gives you a little bit of custom uh, moldability. Okay. You know, within the panel. Yep. 
And you can do tree sizes of any kind. Standard, wide, medium wide. Okay. And you can customize the leather. You can customize the panels. You know, you have a horse that's, you know, like we said before, sway-backed. We have a panel um, called a B panel that fills in where the horse is lacking muscle, you know, and sort of may have some wasting. We can fill in that area, lift the saddle up off the horse's back to achieve the perfect fit. Have you ever ridden in a butte, Jen? I said I rode in someone else's once. <laughs> it was really quite lovely. I was out for a long time. You were supposed to ride that horse for an hour, and you've been there for three hours. Well, it just felt so good. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, how is so, the balance? Tell us about that. Is it a, is it a front-to-back to balance? How does it put the rider in the right position? Well, once the saddles fit perfectly to the horse, basically the saddle is in perfect balance. So you will just normally find your perfect center of gravity. So most saddles then when they're out of balance, or if you're a rider who's out of balance, you know, being completely out of control of your body, aside. It helps to get you back into that right position. Okay. The great, another great thing about um, Butte is that they hold their value better than any other saddle out there on the market. Um, we're seeing 20, 25-year-old Butes traded in, which people are actually getting more money than they paid for. You know, wow. on trade and value. Yeah, so. because of inflation yep. and all that. They've had them so long. You know, you see it in all the horse forums and all uh, across the social networks. When the name Butte comes up, people stand at attention. And I was like, well, what's what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. And then um, a woman at my barn had one. And I just sat on her horse for, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes. And instantly felt the difference. But you, it's not something you can put your finger on. You just yeah. sit in it. It's, and it's say, just a case of okay, it's right. I just, it's just right. It's you just can't right. You can't it's point grippy. to one thing. You know, yeah. the great thing about the premium saddle is it has a m- tremendous grip. You know, we love to sell it to fox hunters, adult women, you know, juniors that are, you know, just starting out and learning. You know, it just it really just wants you to sit in the perfect spot. It does have a really nice grip. Um, you know, one of the things that I have a lot of trouble with is looking for a breech that has good grip. You know, there's, I was just complaining earlier that the, the synthetic suede or leather full seats or knee patches, they just don't grip, you know. Um, or you, I remember, you remember saddle tight? Yeah. would like yeah. wax up our boots with saddle <laughs> tight. Yep. This is, this, this comes pre, uh, pre sticky. Pre sticky. So, yeah. So it, it really does take away that problem. Right. It, it solves right. the problem of sliding around in your saddle, which then allows you to focus more on your ride versus staying centered. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned that you, you find that juniors as well as a fox hunter is going to appreciate that leather finish that gives you just the right amount of grip. For the Butte saddle, has its core customer base changed over the years since it started 40-some years ago? No, it's it's always predominantly been a show, quote-unquote, saddle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think today people are looking for much more, you know, comfort, um, wider-seated saddles, grippier, softer leather. So, therefore, I think we have, over the years, sold more saddles mm-hmm. because people are looking for more of that elevated Do you think status. that this, because there are more and more people riding... Um, the amateur ranks continue to grow year after year. Do you think that the Butte is becoming more and more 
everybody's saddle because for a while there the butte is what the professionals rode in mm-hmm. and then everybody else rode in something it else you know it's like oh i get to ride in the coach's saddle today is the yeah. butte is really becoming more a case of it's everybody's saddle everybody. everybody can benefit from it you know we sell it to you know fox hunters trail riders um you know, yes, you are allowed hunters. to trail ride in, a, exactly. in an English saddle, yes. <laughs> or in a butte. <laughs> and even better because it, it does make perfect sense if you think about it logically rather than from the emotional dollar investment point of view. A trail rider sits in the saddle for extended oh periods gosh. of time. Therefore, if he's not sitting in a balanced saddle, he and his horse are both going to be sore. He's going to be riding a horse who is going to come across all sorts of unexpected things and is very like to have him, likely to have himself a good spook. Or you're going to be going across bizarre terrain that you're not familiar with. You may as well have a saddle that is going to fit your horse. You're not going to get sore. You're going to be secure in it. And you're going to be able to ride properly in it. Those and if your horse spooks, you're going to have that grip. Right. And it, those and it apply makes a difference. Yeah, those it apply to trail riders just like they do Grand Prix riders, those, yeah. those aspects. Yep. Well, this has been fascinating stuff. Yeah. So... Um, so for those people who are not initiated into the world of the financial world of Ute, give us an idea of what the price point would be for someone to, like this model. That to we're get into at. a saddle yeah, like this. Okay, like so this. we have a base model, which is our original model, um, which retails for $50.50, so $5,050. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, the premium, which is the super grippy leather, um, for $5,700. Um, and basically, we, there's all the customizable options are included in the price of the saddle. So, which is nice. So you yes. can get exactly the saddle that you want. You don't have to. Be you don't have to, to pay the add-ons and, and yeah. figure that all. And again, you can spend, you know, ten years switching saddles in and out, and you can actually end up spending that much money on other solutions to the problem of staying balanced in the saddle, whether it's in lessons or training your horse or... Chiropractors. Chiropractors. Saddle pads. Saddle Saddle pads. Saddle pads, pitches that fit. So I think a lot of people get scared away by the price point. Um, But if you actually compare that price to what you would spend solving your problem Mm -hmm. through other means, Mm -hmm. um, it's something to think about. Absolutely. And so where can people find uh, Butte's? So Butte's, um, they can find through Bevel Saddlery. We have uh, three brick and mortar stores, uh, Gladstone, New Jersey, New Canaan, Connecticut, uh, North Salem, New York. We also have a mobile unit uh, that travels the East Coast. Um, And we also have a store in Wellington. Okay. So if someone up in, say, the Boston area wanted to try a Butte, could they sort of arrange for a barn visit? Absolutely. We have saddle fitters throughout the country um, that are easily available for people to come out. So Bevel Saddlery comes to you. That's right. That's pretty cool. (laughs) You you can sell tickets to that. This is radio. Jennifer's cheeks just got a little brighter red. Her eyes are sparkling. (laughs) The rainbows and stars are shooting out of her eyes. It comes to you. It's awesome. So You don't need to be intimidated by the fact that the saddles are only sold at a limited number of stores because you guys literally come to your barn, make sure it fits properly, and it's right. genuine old-school customer have, service. You know, um, saddle fitters throughout the country. We also have sales reps throughout the country, you know, along with the support of the brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah, and so you can get the, the product education while you're there. You're trying Absolutely. it. So you guys know what you're talking about. Uh, and the website is? www.bevel.com. Excellent. Thank you, Alicia. Thank Thank you you very much. Great.
Well, one of the things I wanted to remind everybody of is on Horses in the Morning on International Podcasting Day, which is September the 30th, uh, they invited, uh, the Horse Radio Network was invited to go to Disney World. And we're going to be doing Horses in the Morning live from the stables at Fort Wilderness at Magic Kingdom. So we are going to be there the day before. Wendy is coming up and her boyfriend and Jennifer and I, and we're going to go on the trail ride all through Fort Wilderness. And then we're going to do carriage ride that night. And then the next morning, we're going to be live from the stables there and tell you all about the horses and the history of horses at Disney World. Because, you know, Walt Disney was a huge horse guy. He actually showed horses. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. What did he show? Morgans? Or? Yeah, it was Morgans. was some of the high steppers, I think. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I kind of remember. Well, we'll learn more about it. So that's coming up uh, on September the 30th, Wednesday morning. We'll be live on Horses in the Morning from Disney World. I'm so excited. This is a bucket list thing. (laughs) I am so excited about this. Disney World just never gets old for you. No, it doesn't. No, No. it doesn't. Not at all. You're in the right place. I'm glad to hear that. And Dr. Wendy's going to join us. She lives actually about an hour from there. So she's going to come up and uh, it should be a lot of fun. So we can look forward to that coming up as well. And uh, if uh, one other thing about uh, Horses in the Morning, a little cross-promotion. We did our first Australian episode that we're going to do once a month on Horses in the Morning, where we have an Australian host and an Australian guests. Uh, so that happened, and you want to head over to HorsesInTheMorning.com. You can find all of the uh, the episodes over there, but you can also find the Australian one if you want to take a listen to some fun accents. So that's what's happening over there. And Helena, we you we can of course be heard at stablescoop.com and they can find you at You can find me I'm just about everywhere. <laughs> you can find me. Actually, just send me an email to Helena at horseradionetwork.com if you have a question about anything that I got my hands in. Very I'd be good. happy to have a conversation with you. Sounds good. And as always, we love your feedback. And you can find the easiest way, basically, to listen to the show is through our app. Just go to the App Store, iOS or Android, and search for Horse Radio Network. It's free and it's easy to use. And we want to thank our sponsors, of course, Mill Creek Spreaders for stopping by today and Dr. Rose's Remedies. That's it for this week. That is plenty. Boy, was that plenty. Um, But we're going to have more next week because that's what we do. Until then, happy scooping. Happy scooping.